0: Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 184 with Ivan Meisner. Ivan is very much one of the world's foremost authorities on the important topic of networking. So we get into it. You'll learn one, the fundamental networking disconnect that holds us back. Two, Ivan's all-time favorite networking strategies. And three, how to wow prospective employers via a working interview. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we reference here, you can find those over at awesomeyourjobcom slash ep184. Now here's Ivan's story. Dr. Ivan Meisner is considered one of the world's leading experts on business networking. He is the founder of BNI.com, the largest business networking organization and has written several top business books, including three New York Times bestsellers, two Amazon bestsellers, and one Wall Street Journal bestseller. The titles include Avoiding the Networking Disconnect, Business Networking and Sex, and Networking Like a Pro. Ivan holds a PhD in organizational behavior and as the co-founder of the BNI Charitable Foundation, he was named Humanitarian of the Year by the Red Cross. Here's Ivan. Ivan, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, well, I'm so thrilled to dig into your wisdom. But first, I wanted to cover something kind of fun. I learned in my prep that you studied chess under a Russian grandmaster. Can you tell us the tale?
1: Yeah, a Russian-born grandmaster. He uh, lives in the U.S. and has for many years now. Uh, His name is Igor Kamilinsky, Kamilinsky. Uh, and he was born in the Ukraine, and he was referred to me uh, and uh you know, I worked with him for some time it, it, it is really amazing to play a grandmaster. They just toy with you <laughs> oh. and, and you just you just feel so helpless. you get pushed around the table uh, or the board uh it's just it 's an amazing experience
0: well, you know, I was really into chess in my younger days. And I still play from time to time. And I remember that was just so powerful for me to learn that, wow, if I read books and learn about chess things, then I get better at chess. And I remember when I beat my dad without him letting me for the first time. And it's like, oh, wow. You know, just the power of knowledge and learning and growing, improving it started a really cool trajectory. And here we are.
1: Well, I love the game and, uh, I don't, I probably don't play it as much now. And, uh, and he, he taught me a lot. There were, a, a, you know, a number of things. I mean, he just opened my eyes to concepts I would have never even imagined. Um, I think one of my, one of my favorites was, um, you don't have to respond to an attack. All right. And I'm like, what? Of course you have to respond to attack. He said, no, you don't. He said, attack me. <laughs> And so, you know, I went after everyone and he did nothing. And I was, you know, I took pieces. And and then out of nowhere, he checkmated me. Yeah. And he said, look, sometimes when people are so focused on doing damage to you, just let them do it and you do your own thing. And that was good advice for life. You know, let them do what they're gonna do. You do it your own thing, you're gonna win. That's good. And I thought it was great advice for chess and for life in some circumstances.
0: Oh, perfect. Well, thank you for sharing that. And so when you talk about life and flourishing, you've got quite the organization that helps with that. Tell us what is BNI all about and how do we get in?
1: Well, BNI is a business and professional networking organization. We allow one person per classification to join. So there's You know, one lawyer, one uh, chiropractor, one florist, they get together every week. So we have weekly meetings all around the world. I started the organization in 1985. We now have 8,082 chapters in more than 70 countries around the world. Um, We help people build their business through referrals. Last year, we passed 8.8 million referrals and generated 11.1 billion with a B. $11.1 $11.1 billion worth of business for our members through this referral process. So it's, in a nutshell, it's a platform for people to get together and generate referrals for their business.
0: Oh, that's so powerful. So then I'm hearing that the people will tend to be business owners or people associated with the business development for an organization.
1: Yeah. So the business owners or uh, salespeople for larger companies or, you know, uh, sort of quote unquote professionals, the the, you know, certain medical professions like chiropractors and dentists, uh, and uh, of course, uh, professionals like accountants and, and lawyers. So really quite a few different professions represent those three
0: broad uh, categories. All right. So now if I were just to go over to your website, bni.com, I was playing with it. I just type in a zip code and then boom, I see numerous local chapters and I could just reach out to them and away we go.
1: You can, yeah, or the, or the local director and ask, you know, what chapters uh, do they recommend? Either would be, would be great. And there's plenty to choose from. I mean, look, when I started BNI in 1985, um, I, it, it became apparent very quickly to me that we don't teach this in colleges and universities. We don't teach anybody how to network, how to build their business to referrals. And BNI really was, I think, an example of necessity being the mother of invention, I needed referrals. I was a management (laughs) consultant. I mean, I'd like to tell you I started BNI because I had this brilliant idea and and big vision. But I started it because I needed referrals and I wanted to help my friends. And that's when I realized, oh, my goodness, nobody really understands how to network. We don't teach this in college. And so BNI was really about helping provide the platform
0: and the process um, to achieve that. Okay. That's great. And so then how big is a chapter in terms of number of members? The statistical mean worldwide
1: is 27. Uh, They can get as big as a hundred members. We have some chapters that have a hundred
0: members, but you know, a 40 member chapter is awesome. Really solid. That's good. That's good. And so we say one per category. So I guess I'd be like the training guy. And so we got the chiropractor, the dentist and the training dude and 37 others.
1: Yeah. And you might get, um, you know, some professions that you might get Two or three lawyers representing different areas of the law, family law, contract law, trust, wills, and trust so it's possible that you'll split that up because you know if if you could just do what you love to do in your profession and let someone else that's in a similar profession do what they love to do, that actually makes for a stronger chapter because you're able to send business to each other uh, almost easier than anybody else because you're in a similar profession. Does
0: that Mm -hmm. make sense? It does make sense. And you just feel better about what you're giving and receiving. It's like, I am more delighted, you know, if I get a client, which is a bullseye for what I dig doing and vice versa. So that's cool. You you
1: know, you, you touch on something that almost no one ever recognizes. And that is that when you go to a BNI meeting and you've got three or four referrals in your hand, we we actually fill out referrals or you can do it online as well, but we have referral slips. When, When people show up and they have four referrals in their hands, they're really excited to be able to pass that on. I mean, I
0: see that all the time. Very true. Oh, that is so cool. Well, fun. Well, so this was new to me. I'm getting an education. And so, but kind of zooming in on the listener here, I think the, well, I know from my conversations and surveys that the vast majority are not business owners or sales folks, but you know, some are, And but they're, everyone's a professional who's got something cool going on. So kind of within that context, could you maybe open us up and share a little bit about, you know, how do you think overall in terms of worldview or philosophy on networking, relationship building in general?
1: Yeah, whether you own a business and you're trying to generate referrals for your business or whether you just want to network for your career because career networking, a lot of it, uh, what I teach applies there as well. Um, It's very important that you build your network. And for your listeners that are out there, um, I want you to think about this for a moment. Have you really, really built a, a powerful personal network? And if you haven't, it's not too late. It really is not too late. There's a great Chinese proverb that I I love. It's a, when's the best time to plant an oak tree? And the answer is 25 years ago. And the second part of the answer is today. So if you haven't planted that oak tree years ago to build your network, then start today. I think what happens is that People are so focused on on their need when they need it, they don't build their network before they need it. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, I was in London and had almost a thousand people in the audience. And I said, how many of you are here today hoping to, you know, just maybe, and these were business people, you know, maybe just sell something. Pete, P- a thousand people raised their hands. <laughs> I mean, the whole, the whole room raised their hands. I said, great. How many of you are here hoping to buy something today? <laughs> no one. No one raised their hands. This is what I call the networking disconnect. You know, people are always trying to sell something, but they don't want to buy it. Or people are, they always network when they want something, but they're not networking to give something. And at least the people who aren't doing it right. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that my worldview is, you know, stop using networking as a face-to-face cold calling opportunity. Use it as a relationship building opportunity.
0: All right, excellent. So, huge disconnect. Everyone wants to take, (laughs) and you want to proactively build the network by giving and being generous in advance. Yes, absolutely. It's about building social capital.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, you you go
1: to your bank, and if you if you have no money in the bank, and you write a check for a hundred bucks, they frown on that. They don't like that, (laughs) right? So, relationship capital is very much the same. Social capital is the same. It helps if you invest in the person before you ask for a withdrawal, before you ask for something. And I, that seems so obvious when it's, you know, when I bring it up to people, they're like, oh yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. So don't ask people that you don't really know or that you know, but you haven't invested in at all. Don't ask them for anything because they're a lot less likely to give it to you if you haven't invested in the relationship.
0: Mm hmm. And we talk about investing. Can you give us some great examples of what does investing, you know, look, sound, feel like? Well, you know, one thing is just buying what they're selling or sharing some of your insights or wisdom, hopefully if they perceive it to be as such, you know, with them. But what are some of your favorite ways to invest in folks?
1: So so for me, it's about uh, finding out more about them, finding out what challenges they have and, and seeing if there's a way I can help them with the challenge. I mean, I'll give you a great example. Uh, in one of my books, in Truth or Delusion, I say you can network anywhere. I, I lay out the whole book as truth or delusion. You can network anywhere, anytime, anyplace, even at a funeral. Is that truth or delusion? Well, my answer is truth. But you must honor the event. So don't go walking around the, the, fu- the funeral passing out your business cards. That's stupid. But if your philosophy of networking is to give people, give to people, help people – then you should be able to do it anywhere. And I want to give you an example that answers your question. I was at a church event, a church event. And that's not, you know, normally a place where you think of networking. But there was a business guy there that I really wanted to get to know. I wanted to know what he did more, build a relationship with him. So I, I saw him there. I started asking him questions about his business. A good networker has two ears and one mouth and should use them both proportionally. They're like a good interviewer. They ask questions and let people expound. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I asked him questions about his business. What's he like about it? You know, how what's his target market? He went on and on. He loved, he loved talking about his business. Then I asked the really important question, which goes to the heart of your question. I asked the really important question. What are some of the challenges you have in this business? Now you can't start with that because they'll be like, who are you and why are you asking? So you end with that. And they, it's amazing to me, Pete, how people will tell you some of their challenges. And his was his was really a perfect challenge for me. He said, you know what? I have a really successful business and I'm looking for a way to give to charity, give to the church, give to charity. But I don't want to do it the same amount every year. or I don't want to do all the money I have to give that year. I'd like to I'd like to create a foundation, but I'm too small for that. And that's really my biggest challenge is putting money aside over time to be able to give to charity. I said, wow, have you ever heard of a community foundation? He said, no, what's that? And I explained what they are. Basically, they're, you're, you can set up a small fund under a big parent foundation. Look, feel, and smell like your own foundation. And he's like, I have never heard of that. Now, here he was, Pete, at a church function, fumbling around in his pocket to give me his card and ask me to call him. Yeah. Which I did. And I put him in touch with the foundation that I was involved with that he was ecstatic. This is exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you, you, you look for opportunities to help people. And by help them, I don't mean sell them something. I don't mean have them hire you. I mean, really, truly help them. And if you can find ways to do that, your social capital goes up with them overnight. If I have called that guy two weeks later and asked for an appointment to meet. He'd have done it in a hurry. First of all, he'd have taken my phone call Mm -hmm. and then he would have met with me if I asked. Uh, And that's what I mean by building social capital.
0: Okay. Well, these are some great principled foundations here for how to think about all of this and how it goes down just sort of as a lifestyle. Your publicity folks gave me some detailed insight into, you've got a bit of a full blown playbook when it comes to in the career search realm finding and landing secret jobs. Can you lay that out for us? How's that go down and how's the networking play into it?
1: Well, you know, there was a a study just recently published by LinkedIn that, that says, uh, and, and this correlates with almost every other study I've seen, but this one's very recent on LinkedIn. It says, uh, 80% of all jobs are found, um, by referral Mm -hmm. oftentimes before they're even advertised. And so that's a huge, huge number. Now I stopped and thought about that when I saw it, and I realized that eighty percent of the jobs that I ever got before I started BNI, exactly eighty percent, were through referral. Um, And I was like, wow, that you know, that's an amazing statistic. So how how do you work that? So here, here here are six things to keep in mind. One, you have to start with the right right mindset. Desperation. Is not referable, and if you're depending on people to refer you, if you act desperate, desperate for the job, desperate for the business, it's just going to put people off. Then they're not going to even want to talk to you, and they're certainly not going to refer you uh, because the person they refer to you is going to call that guy back and say, "Why did you send this person to me? They, you know, they just came on too, too desperate." So that's the first one, have the right mindset. Second, and this is a real important one, Pete, in this in this day and age, image check your social media because I promise you employers will, potential employers will. And you, you, you want to get the job and you want to make your, your referral person look good. That person who referred you, you, you want them to look good because if this referral doesn't work out, they might refer you to another one but if the potential employer checks out your social media and they they're shocked they're not going to be happy i once was considering hiring someone and i checked out his facebook page oh my goodness he threw out the f bomb time after time on his posts and and he and he posted wildly wildly inappropriate comments and tirades about people This is not the kind of guy I want in my office. It's not the kind of influence I want around my office. I didn't hire him and I didn't, I didn't even, I really didn't even interview him. One of my staff had interviewed him and that's how the resume got to me. But after I looked at that, didn't even interview him.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: So these are two things
0: you want to do before. Oh, that's good. And Ivan, I might add to that when it comes to social media, I would say, you know, just Googling yourself, you know, with uh, the incognito tab. I remember, you know, for a long time when I Googled myself, I mean, this wasn't like wildly inappropriate, but there was a Daily Illini article in which I was quoted about attending an event, the art of kissing. (laughs) (laughs) And and so it's sort of like, oh, you know, I mean, that's probably not what I want, you know, someone to see is that, Pete went to an art of kissing event and took a lot of notes cause he's a super dork <laughs> or something about that. So I think that's right on is that it might not even be in the Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, but Good it could point. show up and someone else's, you know, blog or a news piece. And you just kind of want to make sure that you're clear on what people do. Cause that's often my first step is not so much their Facebook, but rather the Google.
1: You know, I that. I like to call that a, a BFO, a blinding flash of the obvious, uh, it, it, it's so obvious, but yet I wouldn't, I didn't put that in, in the, I wrote an article on this topic and I didn't put that in there. Uh, but it's, it's very obvious. And I Google myself often just to see, you know, what's out there on me. So yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm going to add that to, uh, to my content. Thanks. Oh, That's I'm honored. Stuff. Yeah, cool. Well, <laughs> so stuff.
0: super. So the online presence, they're checking. So you should check. So yeah. you got the mindset, you got your presence in shape and then what?
1: Then you got to start with your current relationships. So, I mean, the the people that you really have uh, a good relationship with, friends, family, at least the family you like, um, Mm -hmm. business contacts, um, you know, people, you know, face to face in person. You know, you want to you want to let them know what's going on and and check with check in with them and let them know you're going to be looking or you are looking. Um, Then you want to check in with your LinkedIn and other social media. Now you want to do that. You don't want to do that publicly if you're not, if you haven't told your your present employer you're leaving. So mm-hmm. you want to keep it, uh, you know, um, under uh, uh, under the, the the public realm. But if if you're in between jobs, you know, just put it out there. Hey, I'm looking for um, uh, any positions that might be open in this area. Uh, yeah, certainly the people you know, uh, I would do it individually. Mm-hmm. That's third. Fourth, inventory, all your other connections. These are maybe neighbors that you don't know well, uh, people that you've got connections with, but you don't know them real well, past customers, people in organizations that you belong to. And it, it never hurts to let them know, hey, I'm, I'm looking for work. Uh, these are the areas. And uh, if you know someone, or better yet, if, if you could check with the organization that you're in to see if there are any openings, that'd be fantastic. I, I, as a young man, I got at least two or three jobs before I started my career by just asking friends to check with HR. And, and, and I got, I, I, right off the top of my head, I can think of three jobs I got because uh, they just checked with HR and they had a, a, a spot open and then that my friend referred me to the HR and I got the job. So inventory your other connections as well as your current relationships. All right. Very good. Number five, um, it's really important to kind of determine where you stand with all of these contacts. Is it an active, passive, or dormant relationship? So if it's an active relationship, you can just pick up the phone and ask for help. And by the way, picking up the phone and asking for help is always better than sending an email or sending them a message on LinkedIn. If you know them, if you have an active relationship, you should be able to just pick up the phone and call them. Having that personal conversation um, I, I think is is always better. Um, so active, there's a relationship. Um now, passive is where, you know, maybe you haven't seen them in a while, but not neglect is a way to really weaken your network. So yeah. try not to to neglect um, the people in your network for long, but let's say you have, so then reach out to them and, 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 reconnect preferably in person. If you can find out about them and only after you talk about them, let them know you're looking for something. Mm-hmm. Dormant, the people that it's dormant, you just haven't talked to them in so long. Reconnect by social media or email. Uh, if you can then strike up a, a phone conversation, but here, this is really important. Don't ask for anything yet. Don't ask for anything yet because the relationship is dormant. It, you, haven't, you haven't invested in that social capital in a long, long time. Um, stay in touch. Build a relationship before you ask. Now, if they say to you, "Hey, it's really great catching up with you again. What's what's going on with you? Then you can say, well, you know what? Actually, I'm in between jobs and I'm, I'm going to be looking around. So if you know someone that you know might be interested in the kind of work I can do, uh, that'd be great. But don't call them looking for that because – God, it's happened to me. You know, there are people I haven't talked to in 10 years and all of a sudden they want a referral to a job. I'm like, really? <laughs> That's why you called? Okay. <laughs> so so the, the sixth is visit organizations in the industry that you want. Now go to association meetings in that industry or, or you know, if you know somebody in that company, just drop in and say, hey, you know, I've know some people who work at the company and I really like what this company does. And, uh, you know, just to wanted to see if there were any openings or, or if you knew of, you know, just drop in on those organizations, particularly associations, because that's a great way to find out what's going on in the industry that you're looking for.
0: All right. So Ivan, this is a great rundown here. And I want to talk a little bit about this passive or dormant relationship piece, because it's kind of like just the brutal realities of constraints show up in terms of like, I guess I've got a pretty large ish number of folks that are friends, whether we're counting the Facebook friend total or the LinkedIn connection total, or just how many people I had to agonizingly not invite (laughs) to my wedding (laughs) back in December. But I mean, in practice, you know, I guess there are limits or bounds to just how much of a network we can maintain. How should we think about that? And what are some great ways to keep it maintained when, you know, time is scarce?
1: Yeah. So Facebook has kind of redefined what a friend is. Uh-huh. Um, you know, on, on, on Facebook, I have many, many thousands, but how many friends do I really have? Um, there's actually been work done in this social science area. There's an, a number called the Dunbar number, which, um, is, uh, it's actually averages around 150 people. And Dunbar found that you can have a true a true relationship, and I would call it an active relationship, not even uh, passive or dormant, but an active relationship with about 150 people. But your network could be larger than that. And it could be a little more of a passive relationship. And that's where I think Facebook in particular, uh, and, and LinkedIn and other social media sites can be really useful to keep that passive relationship at least going so that it through benign neglect, you don't lose that person completely. Uh, I think technology today is awesome. Just awesome. I mean, uh, you know, people talk to me about, well, millennials don't know how to network. Well, I'm not sure that's true because I'm a baby boomer and we didn't know how to network either. So, you know, you can't point your fingers at millennials. Uh, but I'll tell you what, this day and age, what we have is, is that social media to stay in contact with. I When I did my doctoral degree, I went to school with some amazing people. But I did most of my degree in the late 80s and and early 90s. I went to school with one of the deputy directors of the Federal Aviation Administration. This guy was incredible. Really, I wish wish I could have stayed in touch with him. But in the 80s and 90s, the only way you could stay in touch with somebody was, you know, pick up the phone and call him. Have you ever tried to call a deputy director of the Federal Aviation Administration? (laughs) It's not easy to get through. So I lost that contact. One of my schoolmates in the doctoral program, and this is not a joke, was the captain of the palace guard for uh, Saddam Hussein. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm sure I couldn't stay in touch with him anymore. But he would have been an interesting guy to stay in touch with, you know, 10 years ago. But what happens, I, you know, there was a senior executive with the library system in uh, L.A. I lost touch with all those people because I didn't have the ability to stay connected, connected even at a passive in a passive way like people do today. So use Facebook and LinkedIn and social media as a way of at least maintaining passive connections with people. Does that make sense?
0: Okay, I hear you. So there's quite a distinction there. The Dunbar number says 150 is what you could really expect to be able to have an active relationship with and then your Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. can extend you into some thousands. So then what would be some of your top recommendations for ways to be systematic or disciplined or consistent, whatever word we want, in keeping things in great shape with both the elite 150 active posse and the larger passive group? Uh, touch points. It's all about touch points
1: and not just what you post, but what you comment on for others. Um, so from a social media perspective, you're posting things about your vacation or whatever. Uh, it's important to also read other people's material and comment on what they're posting. Uh, you know, a reference, uh, reference Maybe some experience that the two of you had and how that relates to this. Just, just touch points. You want to stay. This is, this is where you avoid a benign neglect. Now, for your active uh, uh, network, I, I think you really actually need to meet them or talk to them periodically, even if it's a phone call or an email. Uh, just to touch bases. There's, there's, there's one, I have one friend that was a friend of mine in high school. I met him when I was a junior in high school. We're, we're now both, I'm 61, he's 60. Um, we've stayed in touch all these years. And the, the reason that we've stayed in touch is that we've always reached out. Sometimes it's just two, three times a year. That's it. But we we stay connected, not just on social media, but actually we stay connected more on phone calls and email than we do on social media. He's not a big social media fan. So um, stay connected with them th- through whatever whatever mode they like to use. Now that's a really important concept. Mm -hmm. You've got to stay connected in what they like to use. I kind of learned this with my kids a number of years ago. I had a a daughter who, um, she didn't know that the phone actually could call people, her mobile phone. She thought all you did was text on it. So I'd call her, I'd call her, no answer. I'd text her. Boom she'd respond immediately. I mean, really? (laughs) All right, fine. Then I had another daughter who, uh, phone, forget it, text, forget it. WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. But if I WhatsApp her, she'll respond immediately. I had to download WhatsApp. I don't use WhatsApp. It's it's a great program, I guess, but I just don't use it. I I had to download WhatsApp so I could talk to her. (laughs) That's the only reason I have WhatsApp is for my daughter. My son, he was a gamer. So forget about the phone, forget about texting, forget about email for all of them, forget about WhatsApp. He didn't like it. He's a gamer. And I discovered that an online program called Steam uh, has an instant message feature. So I downloaded Steam and then bought a a game so that I could (laughs) instant message my son to talk to him. The lesson that that taught me was it doesn't matter where you are. What matters is where they are. And if you want to maintain a relationship, it helps if you know where they like to communicate and you communicate where they are. That's the way you maintain a relationship.
0: Okay. Well, I like that. And I think it takes a good bit of humility and flexibility and generosity to go there instead of just whine like these ungrateful kids. You know, they. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know how to use steam. Come on. Yeah. You know, it sounds like, I don't know if you had to get over yourself or if it was pretty quick and easy to just adapt for you personally. But- I, just, I
1: don't adapt well, but <laughs> these, are my, these, are, these are my kids and you know, you, you got to do what you got to do. So uh, I wanted to, I, it was important to me that I not lose touch with what's going on in their life. So I adapted. They'll grow out of it. One of them already has. Aliens come and take your kids when they're in their teens and they're gone until their twenties and the aliens bring them back.
0: Well said. Well, so, oh my gosh, there's so many things I want to cover. Okay. Let's say a quick hit here. Do you have any favorite networking strategies or tactics or scripts like keywords and verbiage that you find? I know it's more about, you know, generosity and investing and being kind, but if you have any tricks and hacks, we want to hear those too. Okay. So I'll give you two themes. One strategy, one's tactic. The first
1: one strategy is what I call the VCP process. It's the foundation of everything I teach. If you don't get this, nothing else you do, nothing will be effective. Uh, VCP, it stands for visibility, credibility, profitability, that whatever you're talking about, whether you're talking about getting a business, uh, or whether you're talking about getting referrals for jobs, or whether you're talking about people helping you with giving you information, it's about building the network and you do it through VCP. First, you have to be visible. People have to know who you are and what you do. They have to know who you are. Then you get to credibility where people know who you are, they know what you do, and they know you're good at it. This is the phase that takes a long time. Building credibility takes time. Once you've gotten to credibility, you can get to then and only then can you get to profitability where people know who you are, they know what you do, they know you're good at it, and they're willing to help you in some way. They're willing to give you a referral. They're willing to give you, um, you know, a, a job opportunities. They're willing to—they're willing to help you in some way. What happens is that we meet people and we jump. We try to jump over visibility, over, over credibility, and get right to profitability. In, in one of my books, uh, I wrote a book called "Business Networking and Sex: Not What You Think." It's about the difference between men and women and how they network. And we call this in the book, we call this premature solicitation, oh my. which you don't want to say fast three times. It'll get you in trouble, but that's where you, you, you know, you jump right into trying to do business or trying to get what you're, what you want from the other party, as opposed to building a relationship, the VCP. The next is follow-up. This is a tactic. People always ask me, how do you follow up? What's the best way to follow up? So here it is. I call it 24, seven, This is in a a book that I just wrote with Brennan Scanlon called Avoiding the Networking Disconnect. Avoiding the Networking Disconnect. 24, 7, 30. Within 24 hours, drop them uh, an email or, oh my goodness, go way outside the box. Write a postcard or a a letter and follow up. So when you meet somebody at a networking event, follow up with them within 24 hours. It was really great meeting you. I enjoyed spending time with you. I hope our paths cross again. Don't. Sell to them. Don't ask them for anything. Okay? No two, within seven days, connect with them on social media. And remember what I talked about with my kids. Go where they are, not where you are. That's really important within 24 hours. And don't sell to them. I, I call it sales tourette's. People just can't help. <laughs> you know, they, they gotta they gotta ask for whatever it is that they want. Uh and you, you just can't do that until you build the social capital. Uh, 24, 7, 30. within 30 days, set up an appointment to meet with them. Hey, it was really great. Uh, you know, really great meeting you last month. Uh, I've followed some of the things you're doing on, on, um, LinkedIn or Facebook, uh, really interesting. I'd love to get to know more about what you do and, and see if there's anything I can do to help you. And, um, maybe you can find out a little bit about what I'm doing and love to meet for coffee. Um, and that's a great way, some very specific tactics to follow up that are all about relationship building as opposed to just
0: getting what you want from someone. Okay, right on. And can you tell us what is a working interview? So a working interview, so we'll go back to
1: the, you know, looking for a job. A working interview is, I think, a brilliant concept. It, um, it's, it's not my idea, but I've been using it for a long time. It's a great way for uh, any company to basically take your experience, your work ethic, and, and, and t- take it for a test drive. So what you do is you, you say to the person that you're doing the interview, if this is a job you really want, then you say to the person, hey, look, I'd be happy to do a working interview with you. I can show you what I can do. Uh, I really love what this company is doing and I want to be able to show you what I can do. So I'm happy to spend a day, an afternoon, uh, you know, whatever you would like doing a working interview where, where you can see what I'm capable of doing and you can see my attitude in doing it. Um, and you don't have to hire me now. Sometimes companies will pay you anyway, just cause there are legal issues, mm. but, um, You offer to do it for free. Now, I just, just two weeks ago, recommended this to my eldest daughter. And she's like, really? Are you serious? I said, honey, just try it. I'm telling you. I've I've recommended this to a lot of people. She tried it. They were like, okay, we got something going on tonight. Let's see how you do tonight. And they had her come in and had her do something uh, at this big event. And they liked her so much, they hired her that night for the job. It's a great concept if you're looking for work, a
0: working interview. Offer to work for free for a day, for an afternoon, so that they can see you operate. And you know what's great about that is you learn something too. It's like, oh, wait a minute. These people are bitter backstabbing vipers. <laughs> yeah, you might. I, a second it, thought, I don't want this job. Thank you very you much. Might. Yeah, and <laughs> you, You're absolutely right. That could happen.
1: I did have an employee once who um, she left our company and she went to work uh, at another company and she was there she was there three hours and, and had that experience. And uh, she called us and said, can I come back? I, <laughs> I, I hate where I've gone
0: to. So yeah, you're right. You Sometimes you can't find out quickly. Oh, that is so good. Well, Ivan, tell me, is there anything else you want to make sure to mention before we quickly hear about a couple of your favorite things?
1: Yeah, you know, I think the, the most important thing um, that I could share with your listeners is that networking is more about farming than it is about hunting that it's about cultivating relationships with other people. It's not a get rich quick scheme. It's just, a, it's a great way to build a solid foundation for a long-term successful career.
0: Perfect, thank you.
1: Well, now can you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? You know, so here's one I've been thinking about, what 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 should I share on this show that I've never shared before? And it's one, it's my, it's not a business quote, but it's absolutely my favorite life quote. Here it is. One always dies too soon or too late, and yet one's whole life is complete at that moment, with a line drawn neatly under it, ready for the summing up. You are your deeds and nothing else in life. Jean-Paul
0: Sartre. All right. That's among the heaviest. Thank you.
1: Yeah. I've never shared that on an interview, but that is my favorite personal quote.
0: Oh, appreciate it.
1: And how about a favorite book? Well, from... um. You know, if you're, if you're thinking of starting a business, it would be E-Myth. Uh, E-Myth is an amazing book. Uh, I based, uh, you know, a lot of B&I's development on it. Uh, if you have any difficult issues to deal with, with other people, the best book I have ever read is Crucial Conversations, Crucial Conversations. And it really talks about how do how do you have conversations with people, personal or professional that are, they're the tough conversations. How do you do them?
0: Mm, thank you.
1: And how about a favorite tool? Oh, I couldn't live without my uh, computer. <laughs> you know, if I have a computer and a microphone, I can, I can work anywhere in the world. And I do, I, I work all over the world and
0: yeah, that's gotta be my favorite tool. Oh, well, we appreciate a good microphone. Thank you for bringing it. Very nice. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got, I've got a Yeti. huh. It's working. So, Thank you. Yeah, it's good. And how about a favorite
1: habit? So uh, I color code my calendar. Uh, always have, um, well, I said uh, the last 10, 15 years, um, color code my calendar so that, at, uh, so I, I think an entrepreneur is either working in their flame or working in their wax, right? When they're in their flame, they're on fire, they're excited. They love what they're doing. So I can look at my calendar and at a glance, know whether I'm working in my flame today or working in my wax, my wax being the things I don't like to do. So everything I love doing is in green interviews, by the way, are green. So this is a green item. Uh, for me. So I color code my calendar to know at a glance how I'm doing uh, for the day.
0: Mm -hmm. So uh, I have to follow up with that. So if you have stuff you don't like doing, so you just see it, you recognize it. I guess then what? We got a bunch of wax on the day. What Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like red. Red's Uh bad. Very bad. That's (laughs) usually discussions with lawyers. You know, that's that's bad. Um, No, it tells me that I'm out of balance for where I want to be. Mm. Um, you know, I think I I want to be working in my flame, and so if I have a day that's you know all in blue or red or other colors, then I realize that I got to make up for it tomorrow. I need a green day tomorrow. So it's 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 a way of planning your purpose. You you don't let the, the tail wag the dog. Mm. The, you know you have got to have some control over. I have well I can't speak for you. I have always felt that I need to have some control over my life and my business. And so this is one way to do it is I really try to do things that are in
0: my flame. Mm. Beautiful, thank you. I don't get there 100%, but I'm I'm pretty close now. That's great. Well, and now can you share, is there a particular piece that you reveal, a nugget that you share, whether it's in your writing or speaking or something that just really seems to connect with people? They quote it, they retweet it, they Kindle book highlight it. Yeah,
1: I, I think... The one, uh, there's a number, but uh, one would be um, the the secret to success without hard work is still a secret. (laughs) (laughs) I think so many people are looking for that one nugget. You know, so many people say to me, what's the one, what's the one secret to success in general or networking or whatever? And, and I always say to them, the one secret is there is no one secret. It, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it's, it's a recipe. It's always a recipe and it always involves hard work. And anybody who tells you that, um, that they've got some get rich quick scheme is, I think almost always lying to you. Uh, you know, or it's buy my product and it'll make you successful. Success is, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. It may be fun. If you love what you're doing, it may not feel like hard work, but From the outside, looking in, people go, yeah, that guy works hard.
0: Right. In terms of sheer hours and attention and energy and courage, et cetera. Very good. So, and if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them? I would send them to uh, bni.com. And if they'd like to
1: read uh, my content, my material, uh, see any new books I've got coming, uh, IvanMeisner.com. That's I-V-A-N-Meisner, M-I-S-N-E-R,
0: IvanMeisner.com. All free stuff up there. Okay. And do you have a final parting challenge or call to action for those seeking to be awesome at their jobs? So I, I think the,
1: the one thing I've learned in the last 32 years of running the largest um, networking organization, face-to-face networking organization, is that it, it's not what you know or who you know. You know that expression, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's not what you know or who you know. It's how well you know each other that counts that's the key. When you go deep, if your network is a mile wide and an inch deep, it'll never be powerful. You need a network that is both wide and in places deep. It's all about relationships.
0: All right. Ivan, this has been such a treat. Thank you and good luck with your books and all the good stuff you're up to. Pete, thank you. I appreciate a great interview. I really dug what Ivan had to share about the Dunbar number of 150 and how many relationships you can really maintain because, well, lately that's been a theme of mine is as I read things like the one thing, which is amazing. We had Jay Papazan earlier on the show, so good, or essentialism or anything about prioritizing. It just puts me at ease. It's like, oh, I don't have to do absolutely everything there's a limited number of things. And then if you think about the 80-20 principle on top of that, if the Dunbar number is 150, think about the top 20% for a given purpose. Maybe that's business. Maybe that's you know fun rejuvenation. Maybe that's service. Folks who need you. If you think about the top fifth, it would be 30 or even the top fifth of that fifth, which would be six. That makes the whole relationship maintenance thing seem a whole lot less intimidating. It's like, oh, I don't have to Call and send a piece of mail to every single one of my LinkedIn connections. That would take a while, but rather have a little touch points with everybody and then invest in maintaining some of the the ones that are manageable because folks are kind of capped at 150. And then even within there, there'll be some natural priorities depending on whether it's a professional or personal or kind of what is the nature of that relationship. So. I hope you dug that and Ivan's other tidbits. Again, if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we referenced, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F184. And I hope you'll push subscribe so you hear from our next guests. It's Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss. We got a double portion this time and they are talking about BS, how to deal with it, manage it, cut through it and communicate more effectively.